congregation. Uh, Steve, he's been there a long time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's obviously new faces here as well, and it's really good to, uh, to see you all. It's my pleasure to be here. It's an honor for me and my family uh, to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jane, for, uh, yeah, for uh, giving us this uh, opportunity. Um, so we're going to go into the Word of God in a minute, but before we do, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your presence in our midst. Hallelujah. We thank you for all you are said to do today. Holy Spirit, this is, this is, your, this is your meeting. This is your show. Um, Lord, just take control, Lord. I pray that you will use me. I pray that you will um, anoint my lips. And I pray that, you know, heaven will break out today in our lives, oh Lord, in our midst today. Thank you, Lord, for all you want to do in your house, in your body today. So you be all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So today I'm going to be speaking about, um, on a topic called God in us. God in us. Uh, we know God is with us, Emmanuel, and we know God is for us, praise God. Uh, but today we're going to focus on God in us, God in us. And uh, to uh, kind of set the ball rolling, uh, I want us to turn to uh, first, first Kings chapter 8 and verse 27. I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen. First Kings eight twenty-seven. And this is a statement that was made by, um, by King Solomon after the uh, temple had been built. He built a temple for God, and uh, this was on the dedication day. And this is what Solomon said. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How, how much less this temple I have built? Um, now, the temple that Solomon built, it was a magnificent temple. I mean, he said to himself. <laughs> um, but history and, you know, the scriptures tell us that it was, it was, it was an amazing, uh, you know, um, structure or building. Um, nearly everything was overlaid with gold. I mean, it was spectacular. You know, the, 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 the walls, the ceilings, the frames. You know, he went all out to give God, uh, to build or develop or um, put in place this magnificent, you know, place for God. Um, even the nails, the nails <laughs> they, they used in the inner, in the uh, innermost place was made of gold. That tells you how how uh, how elaborate it was. Um, so it was it was a spectacular, you know, uh, state of the art building. Um, and on the occasion when it was dedicated, that was also an amazing, you know, event as well. See, King Solomon had planned it so that it would coincide with um, one of the feasts that they had. You know, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, and this was an event that would normally last a week. But on this occasion, when the temple was being dedicated, it lasted 14 days. So it, it, people were having such a good time, they didn't want to go. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just amazing. Um, everyone was there, you know. The, the royal, royals of the day, you know, the Prince Harris and Prince Williams and, you know, you know all, the, uh, all the important government, you know, officials, you know, the priests, Levites, you know, they were all there. Um, everyone from every new country of, um, of Israel. And just to give you a flavor of what it was like, just to give you a flavor of what, 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 what that day was like, there are a few verses I'm going to read here. It's in 1 um, um, Kings chapter 8, the same chapter, verses 62 down to 63. I'm going to read 65 and 66. Then the king 
and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. Solomon offered a sacrifice of fellowship offerings to the Lord, 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the Israelites dedicated the temple of the Lord. That's why they didn't want to go. You know, they, were having, they were eating so much, uh, <laughs> so much food. <laughs> so Solomon observed the festival at that time, and all Israel with him, a vast assembly, people from Lebo Hamath to the Wadi of Egypt. They celebrated it before the Lord our God for seven days and seven days more, 14 days in all. On the following day, he sent the people away. He had to send them away. <laughs> they blessed the king and then went home, joyful and glad in heart for all the good things the Lord had done for his servant, David, and his people. So it was, like I said, it was a momentous occasion. It was, it was a day of, you know, it was a time of celebration, a time of rejoicing um, because of um, this temple that was built and um, was being dedicated. Now, the, the temple was spectacular, and it was, you know, very, um, very, very stunning. Um, but what really set it apart, what really made it unique and one of its kind, uh, was the fact that the presence of God was in that temple. You know, when they brought in the Ark of the Covenant, uh, God moved in there. And that's where we read at the beginning, Solomon was acknowledging, now build this temple, um, and it's magnificent and all, and God, you're meant to be dwelling, dwelling in it, but the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot really contain you. So how much less this temple? So it was, it was like a paradox. It was, it was a puzzle. It was a mystery. How can God, you know, you know, the creator of the universe, be living um, in this? Even though it was magnificent, it was still nothing uh, compared to the greatness and glory of God. Uh, but God had chosen to stay there. Uh, and I want to draw our attention now to the moment when God entered the temple. And we're going to read that in First Kings chapter 8, so same chapter of, of, of uh, Kings. Uh, we're going to read verses 6 and 10 to 11. Then the, the, uh, the, the priest then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. When the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priest could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Amen. So, so according to these verses, as soon as the priest brought the, the Ark of the Covenant and placed it in the most holy place, God moved in. God moved in. He says, yeah, the, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. So I don't want you to miss this. You know, God had chosen this temple to be his dwelling place. Okay. Solomon built it, but God chose to move in there. And uh, he chose it to be his place of residence on the earth. And the evidence of it, the evidence that God was there, was this tangible, visible, you know, Shekinah glory, they call it, of God. You know, there was something that they could see that God was in the building. God was in his house. Uh, now, we know today that God doesn't live in physical temples anymore. Yeah? But in human temples, in us, you know, who are his children... Uh, and there are many references of this in the, um, in the New Testament. We're going to just look at a few of them. Uh, because the Bible says that, you know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so we need to hear these things and, and, um, so we can build faith in us. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 3.16. That's the first one. And that says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? 
Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? So where is God's temple now? You're looking at it. <laughs> I'm looking at it. <laughs> if you're a believer. That's, that's where God dwells in now. God dwells in us. Um, Paul asked the same question in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Second uh, Corinthians 6, 16 and 17 says the same thing. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Praise God. And one more verse. This one doesn't mention temple in it, but I like it because it says, Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Praise God. Where is Christ living? In me. Okay. So, so um, Scripture tells us very clearly, very, very clearly, that um, we are now God's temple. You know, specifically, that, you know, our bodies are now the temples that God inhabits. That the God, the, that the heavens, even the highest heavens, you know, cannot contain, now lives in us. You know, when you, come to, when you think about it, you know, it, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-boggling, you know. You can't, you, that's why I say it's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's, it's a, you know, how, how is that possible? That's what Solomon was saying. How, how is that even possible? Um, but it is the reality you know, of the truth of God's word. So the question I want us to consider this morning, um, what I want us to ponder on this morning is, is that now that God dwells in us, you know, now that God has chosen to take up residence in us, as we've, um, as we've read, can we not expect that his glory that was, like, was manifested when, when he moved into, into that temple that Solomon built? Can we not expect that glory uh, to be manifested and occasionally break out in our lives? Yeah? yeah Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. Um, now, we're going to consider this scripture in uh, Colossians 1, uh, verses 26 and 27. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. And that reads, The mystery that has been hidden, that has, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. So Paul is talking about this mystery. You know? He's talking about mysteries here again, you know, like, uh, like, we, like we read earlier. He's talking about this mystery that has, he said it's been kept hidden for ages and, and generations, but it's now, um, God is now choosing to reveal it and disclose it and make it known among the Gentiles. That's you and me, by the way. <laughs> okay? And that mystery, which, according to this verse, it says there is, it has glorious riches. Yeah? It says that mystery is um, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Um, now, oftentimes, you know, people can read this verse, and, and yes, it, it, it has implications for the future. You know, um, it can be, you know, they're referring to the future glory when we get to heaven. And in a sense, of course, that's true. Because in heaven, we'll be walking on streets of gold. You know, the Bible says there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, you know, no more sickness, um, no COVID. <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> have to wear masks there. Um, 
<laughs> Praise God. No more death, you know. So, it, so that, that is a glorious hallelujah um, expectation we have, okay? Um, but in a sense, it's also talking about now as well. You know, it's talking about today as well. Um, that we can have a foretaste of that glory right here on earth because Christ in us is the hope of glory, okay? So you, you can reread that, that statement or that verse in this way. Christ in you is the hope or expectation of glory in my home. Christ in you is the hope or expectation of glory in my family. Christ in you is the hope or expectation of glory in my business. Christ in you is the hope of glory in my relationship. Christ in you is the hope of glory you know, uh, at my workplace, in my school. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Um, so we're going to look at two accounts next in the, in the Old Testament. When, when God's glory broke out, and both of these incidents have to do with the Ark of Covenant, um, where God's presence was said to be enthroned. The first incident is found in Second Samuel chapter 6, 1 to 8. Um, just a bit of background, David had, had been made or crowned king of Israel. Um, after how many years of, you know, being anointed by God and um, being persecuted by Paul. Finally, finally, you know, he finally, you know, became the king of, um, of Israel. And um, one of the first acts he did was to conquer the city of Jerusalem. And after he did that, he decided to make it, you know, his capital. And um, when he did that, he, he decided to bring the Ark of Covenants from where it was, in, to bring it to, to Jerusalem so that it would kind of be a central place of worship. And we're going to read what happened when he, the first attempt, when he tried to do that. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bela in Judah to bring up the, from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord God Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the Ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon. Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of, the, of his irreverent act. And therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath has, had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, this place, that place is called Perez Uzzah. Perez Uzzah means breakout against Uzzah. Um, so a bit of a sad story, I guess. <laughs> David decided to bring the Ark of Covenant you know, to Jerusalem, and he meant well. He meant well. However, he and his men, uh, they didn't do, the, do it the way that God had instructed, uh, that God had um, you know, commanded for, for it to be done. For instance, it was, it was never meant to be carried on a, on a cart. It was meant to be carried on, on poles. Uh, they, had, they had rings at the, um, at the sides of the Ark of Covenant, and you put past poles through them, and then a certain class of Levites were the people who were authorized to carry the, 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 um, the, um, the, um, the ark. 
Um, so David, obviously, like I said, didn't know this or didn't realize this. And um, they, they put it on a, on, a, on a cart. And as they were moving along, um, it says the, uh, the, the, the oxen stumbled. And this, this fellow called Uzzah, um, who was you know, the son of a priest, so he must have been a Levite, um, he, he tried to steady the, uh, the ark, and he, and, he, and he touched the ark. And the Bible says that you know, God you know, struck him dead. So the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he had put his, ark, his hand on the ark. Um, so you see, actually here, what happened was that the glory of God broke out, but in, neg- in a negative way, if you like. Um, why? Because Uzzah was unauthorized personnel. He had no business touching the ark. Even the priests or Levites who were allowed to carry the ark were not allowed to touch the ark directly. Uh, they could only, like I said, carry it on the poles after it had been attached. So what Uzzah did was, the Bible says it was an irreverent act. It was an unholy act or unholy touch. It was an act of sacrilege. <laughs> I'm going to read Numbers 4, verse 15. Let's see the warning that God gave, uh, because this is relevant to the message we are, we are talking about. Acts 4, verse 15. After Aaron and his sons had, f- had finished covering the f- holy furnishings and all the holy articles, and when the camp is ready to move, only then are the Kohatites, those are the only people authorized to carry the ark, uh, only then are the Kohatites to come and do the carrying, but they must not touch the holy things or they will die. The Kohatites are to carry those things that are in the tent of meeting. So, so that was the warning God gave, you know, ages ago, you know, through, uh, through Moses, in the, you know, um, about the movement of the ark. And obviously, David didn't hit that. He didn't know. He, next time he did it, he did it properly. But uh, this time, like I said, he didn't, he didn't follow that, those instructions. And this was the result of it. See, see God, is, God is love. We know that. God is good. We know that. But God is also holy. In fact, it's three times holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's what the angels, you know, you know, before the throne, you know, um, that's what the crowds, you know, constantly. Um, so God in his holiness was, is, not, is not to be played with, is not to be trifled with. So when, when Uzzah touched that ark of covenant irreverently, knowingly or unknowingly, he, he was playing with fire, with consuming fire, and it consumed him. Um, so how do we apply this to what we're talking about today? As we know, as we've been, we've been learning, that you and I are now the temples of the living God, you know, which is a mystery and mind-blowing and all that, but nevertheless, that's the truth of God's word. So what do you think can be an unholy touch of God's temple? Sickness? Yeah? Um, depression? Yeah? It's not allowed. It's not allowed. Um, demonic attack, disease, those things are <laughs> unauthorized personnel that are touching the ark. And the good news is that, you know, just as the glory of God can break out, uh, and this, you know, uh, just like it broke out and unfortunately for uh, Uzzah, um, consumed him that day, um, those things can also uh, be destroyed in our lives by the glory of God because they have no business touching the temple of God. See? But we must believe that. We must, we, must, we must know who is we are. We must know who lives in us. Uh, 
Um, and of course, our, our confession must match what we, what we believe. Um, unfortunately, as the Bible says, sometimes since my people are destroyed for lack of, lack of knowledge. Okay? For instance, do we know and believe that we are the apple of God's eye? That's what the Bible says. Look, look, at, look at this verse. Look, look at these few verses. We're going to just read two of them. Deuteronomy 32, verse 9 and 10. It says, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guided him as the apple of his eye. So it doesn't matter our past background. It doesn't matter where God has found us. It doesn't matter our like we were singing before, our past mistakes, our failures, you know, our shame, our mess-ups. As far as God has found you, praise God. The Bible says that he, those who believe in him, he says that they are washed, they are sanctified, they are justified in the name of Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of our God. And they are valuable in God's sight. See, God, God does this work in us and he makes us brand new. And he says, we have now become the apple of his eye. Uh, one more verse. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Sorry, so Zechariah 2, verse 8. This is, for this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. That expression, the apple of one's eye, it's someone you are very fond of, isn't it? You know, someone who's very special to you, somebody you are proud of, somebody that you cherish, you know, somebody that, you know, um, has great value to you. And the Bible says that you and I, we are now the apple of God's eyes. And when we believe this, it can literally change our lives. Um, I was, when, I was doing this, when I was doing this preparation, um, I, I checked the, the literal meaning of the, uh, the apple, of, of, uh, apple of someone's eye. And literally what it means is when you can see your reflection, in somebody else's, uh, in a kind of pupil, yeah, that's the apple. <laughs> that's the apple of, uh, of, um, of your eye. Um, so when God sees us, he sees himself in us, okay? If, <laughs> I mean, it's a natural reaction. If, if you try to poke, you know, um, Phil, if she tries to poke your eyes now, yeah, you, you, would, you normally would deflect it, wouldn't you? You know, no matter how, you know, <laughs> where is this? You know, when you try to poke your eye, you would, that's what happened when Uzzah, Tried to touch, you know, the, uh, the the Ark of Covenant. He was poking God's eye. <laughs> and God said, "You can't do that." Um, so that's 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 how um, God views us. Uh, and if you read First Corinthians three verse seventeen, it says this: If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Hallelujah. So that's, 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 you know, like I said, a negative, if you like, outbreak of the glory of God. Negative, not, not for, obviously, uh, if, if, you are, if you are sick and, you know, God's glory breaks, then that's a positive one. But let's look at a, a, a possibly a, a more positive outbreak of the glory of God. Uh, once again, this is when the uh, presence of God, the ark, was uh, moved into someone's house. And this is the account of Obed-Edom. And we're going to read 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 9 to 12. And that says, so following from where we, uh, where we stopped with uh, David and, uh, and he's transporting the ark. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, 
How can the ark of God ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the, of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. I, I don't know what, what David's opinion of Obed-Edom was, but he was probably thinking that, you know, let's see how he fares with it. <laughs> um, um, but the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of the Lord. So David went up to bring up the ark from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So this is the first time this character, this character Obed-Edom is, is mentioned in the Bible. Um, from later accounts of, um, that you know, we find in the Bible, we learn more that you know, he, became, he eventually became a... Uh, a gatekeeper, a musician, or a worship leader, and even a doorkeeper for the, for, the, for the ark. So it was like he was addicted to the ark and he just followed it everywhere he went. Um, however, at this point that the ark is taken to his house, the Bible doesn't say that Obed-Edom did anything special um, apart from housing the ark of covenant. He didn't do anything special, you know, to... I mean, doubtless he was a godly man, you know, from what we read. But, but the Bible doesn't attribute the blessings that came upon him and his family to any action of his. Uh, for instance, it doesn't say that he started, you know, paying his tithes, you know, more, more frequently or whatever. Or he started, you know, giving alms or, you know, praying or worshiping or, you know, doing something more than usual. All those things, of course, are good. But in reality, the, the, you know, Obed-Edom, simply God blessed because God was in the house. You know, so read again verse 11. It says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. So, so the glory of the Lord broke out because, you know, the ark was there. And the glory of the Lord broke out. And he impacted, you know, this man's life and his family in such a way that within three months, people could, people could see the evidence. You know, people could, you know, and that's when it reported to David. David, this man is being blessed. <laughs> um, there, there's something happening in his life. How was he blessed? The Bible doesn't say. Uh, maybe it showed up, you know, in his health and the quality of his life. People could see something was different about him. Maybe it, could, maybe it showed up, you know, in the harvest of his crops. You know, maybe he had a bumper harvest. You know, I don't know. Maybe his, uh, his livestock, you know, his cattle and his sheep, you know, multiplied. And, you know, just there was something about, you know, about his life that people could see. And they said, this man is being blessed. Maybe he had abundant joy and peace, you know, in his, in, his, in his family. Whatever it was, that was, like I said, clearly a manifestation of the glory of God in his life because the pre living presence of God was dwelling in his home and because he had willingly provided accommodation for, the, for God, for the living God. Verse 12 again. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of the Lord. So we're just going to bring this to a landing, you know, in um, a moment now. <laughs> um, and in summary, what we said is that as believers, God has chosen to take up residence in us. We are now the temples of the living God. You know, as, as, as mind-boggling, as crazy as that sounds, that is the reality. God lives in you and in me. Furthermore, the Bible says Christ in you is the hope of glory, the hope or expectation of glory. Not just future glory in heaven, you know, but here on earth, in our homes, in our bodies, in our workplaces, in our finances, in our business, in our, in our families, you know, 
you know, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Jesus said this in John 7, verse 38. He said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, says rivers of living water will flow from within them. Notice it doesn't say one river. I mean, that would be wonderful. It says rivers of living water will flow from them. So, so river level breakout, you know, not, not a trickle, not a drop. Hallelujah. But it says, you know, rivers, praise God, of living water uh, will flow from within them. Okay? And you, I mean, you can't, you can't hide a river, you know, you know, much less multiple rivers. And no wonder the Bible now tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that you and I, we are carrying treasure, treasure in the earthen vessels that we are. It says, but we have this treasure in, in, jars, of clay, in jars of clay to show that all this surpassing power or glory is from God and not from us. Okay? So, so today, as we, as we round up this message, I don't know what your expectation is. I don't know what you are longing for. I don't know if you are desiring or, you know, expecting to see the glory um, of God. What is your expectation level? Uh, last scripture we're going to read is in Proverbs 23, verse 18. Uh, it says that surely there is a hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. In the King James Version, that says the expectations of the righteous will not be cut off. Okay. Uh, maybe the worship team can come. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're going to pray in a minute. We're going to pray. Um, we're going to sing a song. And we're going to pray uh, that we're going to see or experience a breakout of God's glory. Because that should be our expectation, guys. That should be our expectation. That the glory of God will be revealed in our, in our lives and in our families. But before we do so, we're going to pray for anybody who is here and you've never committed your life to Christ. You've never um, received him or acknowledged him as your Lord and your Savior. Um, then all these things we're talking about, you know, uh, the Bible says that, you know, if anyone does not have the spirit of God, you know, it doesn't belong to God. It doesn't belong to Christ. Um, but that is the starting point. Uh, to begin a relationship with God, to accept or to acknowledge that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, um, laid down his life uh, for us and took all the punishment that we deserve, praise God, so that, you know, before God, we can come before him, you know, with a clean slate. Because when he died on the cross, one of the words he says, you know, the last words, it is finished. The price is paid, praise God. You know, he has been, become um, the atoning sacrifice, perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we can have a relationship and, you know, with God. And like I said, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter, you know, what you've done. It doesn't matter, you know, the mistakes you've made. God is willing, praise God, you know, to wipe the slate clean. He says, anyone who is anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old things have gone. All things have become new. So it's what an opportunity God gives us, you know, through his son, because of his love for us. So we're going to pray now. And let's all pray this prayer. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we honor and magnify your name. We thank you for, hallelujah, um, your love for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the value that you have, you have in, our, in your hearts for us, oh, Lord, Father. Sometimes we don't think we are valuable. 
for you have told us that we are the apple of your eye. Father, I pray for everyone here today, the sound of my voice, who's heard this message, Lord, and wants to commit their life to you. Can you repeat this prayer after me, all of us, guys? Let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And I believe that he came and died on the cross for me. To give me a brand new beginning. Lord, today I receive the gift of salvation. And I say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I take you as my Redeemer, as my King, as my God. Please make me brand new and give me your Holy Spirit so that I can become a house of God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, anyone who has prayed this prayer, just commit them right now into your hands. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, that heaven is breaking out right now. Hallelujah. The glory of God is breaking out right now. And they will know, they will experience that tangible evidence, hallelujah, of your power and of your love in their lives, Lord. So hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.